Hello and welcome to The Spot with me, your favorite pop culture critic, Afro7. Today I've got with me Mo, and we're going to be discussing a particularly important subject, I think. Um, it's mental health, you know, looking after your mental health and ensuring that you're in a nice space. And, you know, just going through going through what I think has become taboo, you know, or is taboo in pretty much all of Nigerian society. I think we don't talk about it enough. I think we don't take it seriously enough. And I think not enough of us realize that we know people who are going through this and who aren't able to speak about it. And also, most importantly, to recognize that having a mental illness doesn't mean that, you know, you're mad or you've got a spiritual curse or whatever have you. You know, it's treatable. Think of it as a physical ailment and you can treat it. So Mo's going to help me to shed more light on this. And I hope it's a very, uh, you know, interesting episode for you guys. And hopefully you have plenty of questions after. Hello, Mo. Hi. How are you? Good, thanks. How are you? Ah, oh, surviving, you know, on a paper chase. What can we do? Thank you. Thank you so much for agreeing to this. Um, so, Mo, would you like to give the readers a bit of background? Tell me a bit about yourself, you know, where you live, what you do. You know, just the niceties. Let's get that out the way. Go. <laughs> mm. So, yeah, um, my name is Mo. Mm-hmm. I am 20-something. Mm-hmm. I currently live in London, but I've lived most of my life in Nigeria. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm at school. All right. Wonderful. Um, so, Mo, yeah, again, you know, I'm, I'm really grateful that you're doing this because I, I understand that it, we don't speak about these kinds of things often enough. So, can you take us through your own experience? When did you realize that there was something not quite right with you in the sense that you, you had issues that probably be, that were probably beyond you? Yeah. I suppose one could put it like that. Yeah, I guess I was probably in secondary school, so I was about 13, 14, when mm. I sort of realized that, oh, there's something really weird about you. Because mm. I, I just really thought I was quiet, which is what everyone said about me. Mm. Oh, she's really quiet. But I just realized, like, not everyone was as sad as I was. Mm. Like, not everyone, like, had trouble, like getting out of bed in the morning or like not everyone had as much anxiety as I had every day. At what point so, did you realize this? Um, I think it was about 13 because I went to a boarding school okay. and I think I was just talking to someone one day and I was like, do you know it's really hard for me to get up in the morning? Mm. And like, no, what I actually said was I actually wake up really early but it takes me like an hour to get out of bed after I wake up. Mm. Because I actually, like, when I wake up, I feel really drained and I need to, like, work myself up to actually getting out of bed. Mm-hmm. And she was like, that's weird. If I wake up at 4.30, I get out of bed at 4.30. Yeah. And I was like, huh, okay. So that was the first one. I mean, I'd noticed the sadness, but I just thought, mm, maybe I just feel too much or something. Yeah. So, like, just combined with that. Yeah. And then I think that was when we first got internet at home. So I stayed, like googling stuff hmm. yeah it just opened up this world for me okay so then you began to suspect that everything wasn't as it should be right so who was the first person you spoke with about it or did you feel comfortable speaking to anybody about it um so i guess i talked to my mom about because like i remember there was this term where i was supposed to go back to school and i was like in SS2 or something. Mm. And I just like sat at home and cried for a week, mm. basically saying I didn't want to go back. And my mom was trying to figure it out because she, she was like, you're in SS2, no one can bully you at the moment. Like, what's the problem? 
and then I was just crying and I was like, there's something wrong with me, but I don't know what it is. Mm. But yeah, I mean, I couldn't articulate what the problem was and mm. she obviously didn't have the words as well. So Okay. So fast forward to when you 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 were able to confirm that something was wrong with you. How did this come about and how did you feel when you discovered it? And again, how how did it change how you felt about yourself? Were you finally able to say, okay, ah, oh, this is what this is, and it's not like, you know, I'm just cursed or something, you know? Like, did that help, knowing what it was? And when did you find out what it was? Um, so I first went to, like, uni and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'd just been, like, it, it had been quiet. And then at uni, I think after uni, I lost one of my friends. Sorry and then at the same time, I was, like, without a job for a while. Mm. And so I just, like, sunk into this, like, really bad depression. Like, it was, like, for, like, three months, I wasn't, like, seeing anyone. I was just on my own, like, with my dad. And I wasn't seeing anyone. I wasn't going out. I wasn't doing any. I wasn't even applying for jobs. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah. And I think that was the point where... I figured out something was wrong with me and my family as well hmm. figured out that there's something my mom just thought I was sad because I wasn't able to get a job and stuff yeah so they're like oh let's send her for a master's <laughs> abroad oh, like they thought like, yeah giving me something to do like fix me yeah it was good for me because like when I came here I like went to my GP and I just said like this is how I feel hmm. and she referred me to someone else and yeah i mean it's been a long road yeah because my first diagnosis was like depression mm-hmm. and it wasn't actually that so it was depression and then i got put on antidepressants which mm-hmm. can be quite dangerous if you're bipolar which i am so the, the official diagnosis was that you're bipolar yeah at the end in the end okay bipolar. okay yeah I mean, the interesting thing in, in what you just said is depression is actually a clinical, a clinical issue as well, right? Because I think yeah. a lot of us throw it around casually. We don't understand that it's actually like a medical diagnosis. You can be diagnosed as being depressed. Um, yeah. So when you received that diagnosis, obviously it wasn't right. Did that exacerbate your condition and made, made you worse? Or? Um, yeah, so when I initially like, got the diagnosis, I was mm-hmm. like, oh, fine, okay. It helped, like, it helped me know there was something wrong like it helps to like have something like yeah. have someone say agree with you that there's something wrong with yeah, you yeah yeah and so obviously i got put on like anti antidepressants mm-hmm. but like they made me manic oh wow i just i just went crazy like for mm. like a month i was just like off it and mm. i see uh, yeah so then i knew oh this is not right something's wrong mm-hmm so I went back, and then I was referred to a psychiatrist who finally diagnosed me with the right thing. Okay. And then that was. This like, is gonna sound really. This is gonna sound really weird, but don't be weirded up by it. What is a psychiatrist? Okay, so a psychiatrist is a. He's the medical doctor. Mm-hmm. So you know how like doctors like after med school mm-hmm. they do different specializations mm-hmm. so he's a medical doctor he's qualified as a doctor mm-hmm. but then he's um he's he's specialized in mental health and mental disorders basically mm-hmm. so he 
he he's, he attends to people with mental illness, so ranging from depression to like things like schizophrenia mm-hmm. to anxiety, bipolar, borderline personality disorder, mm-hmm. like things like that. And so the difference between a psychiatrist and a psychologist... Aha, now you've figured out why I asked you. Yes, go on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the difference is usually psychiatrists can... Um, prescribe drugs because mm-hmm. he's a doctor so he can prescribe and he can access your medical records mm-hmm. but a psychologist has studied psychology not mm-hmm. medicine mm-hmm. and so a lot of times they're not able to prescribe medicine mm-hmm. for you mm-hmm. so they are the ones that usually do the diagnosing or some sort of therapy mm-hmm. so and when people then, say when people say i'm going to see a shrink they usually mean the latter, right? Yeah, it depends. Like a lot of psychiatrists are like consultants, so they don't have time to see all their patients. Mm-hmm. So they have like psychologists and counselors who work for them. Mm-hmm. Okay. So most of the time, like, yeah, like I only see my psychiatrist like once a month. Okay. So you usually so like, see the shrink. Yeah, yes, every week I see my counselor. Oh, okay. So what's the what's the polite term? A counselor, not a shrink, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, either is fine. <laughs> oh, okay. And you know, you gotta you gotta be politically correct with these things because it's still a bit sensitive, you know. And I want, I yeah, want, I, I'm really asking these. It might seem basic to some people, but I'm asking because I don't think enough people know what the difference is, you know. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are still daunted by the idea of going to see a mind doctor. Like I prefer mm. to think about it. Like you wouldn't walk around with a broken leg. Why would you walk around with your mind not feeling the way it should? You know, so exactly. I, I, I mean, I, I think just having you explain that it, you're going to see a doctor essentially, you know, so you kind of yeah. demystify it a bit and, and maybe put some people at ease. You know, you go to the doctor for all kinds of reasons, you know, so why, I mean, why not for your mind? Something that is probably the most precious thing you possess, you know, so um, it was uh, thank you for clearing that up. So now you've got your diagnosis properly now, you yeah. you know, they've told you that you're bipolar what is being bipolar? What does that mean? Um, so basically, it just means you um, have you have a disorder, basically, that mm-hmm. in which you can cycle sort of between two extremes. Okay. So depression is a big part of bipolar. Mm-hmm. And then mania or like hypomania. Mm. What so, is hypermania? Yeah, I think everyone knows depression. So. Mm-hmm. But like mania is like, how can I explain it? Like, when, when a person is manic, the person has like racing thoughts. The person has like grandiose ideas. So mm-hmm. you get ideas like, I'm the president of the world. I can do anything I want. Mm-hmm. And then it's basically everything in your body is going into overdrive. Mm-hmm. So like your sex drive, like um you have this urge to like spend a lot of money mm-hmm. like you, you become very reckless basically mm. so you're not thinking about like repercussions of anything you're doing mm-hmm. you're nothing of anything you like to anyone mm-hmm. yeah so it's just so that's mania and then hypomania is like a reduced form of mania okay so you're not you're not it's not as extreme yeah, exactly. It's not as extreme. Okay, quick question. When you were younger, before they actually diagnosed you and you knew for sure that something was wrong, did you have manic episodes? 
Um, I mean, looking back now, I think I did because, like, with me, like my pattern is, I usually get most of my work done when I'm manic mm. because I, I like, I only get hypomanic. I don't get like full blown manic mm -hmm. as much. So I think because what I used to say to people is, oh, I like to procrastinate, but actually, that's not the thing. The thing is, I actually have like a week, like a week every like other month or so mm. where I like I work my ass off and I, ca I can do like two months worth of work mm -hmm. in that week. Oh. so I th and I've always been like this mm -hmm. so looking back I, I can certainly identify like periods in my life when I was manic mm, interesting and yeah do you prefer to be manic or just mellow <laughs> i mean my psychiatrist would not like to hear me say yes but i do i do prefer when i'm hypomanic but that's basically because i sort of have it under control now oh so you know you know you can feel it when you're in your manic state you know yeah most of the time i do feel it huh i see so you've got your you've got your diagnosis you know what you you know you, you know what the problem is you've got the meds to deal with it now Next step, how do you tell friends and family? How did Mo go to Mo's dad or Mo's mother and say, folks, this is what the deal is? How were you able to do that, if you've done that, that is? So when I first found out, when I first like, went to the GP and she said, oh, you're depressed, you have depression, I tried to talk to my mom about it. Mm. But she basically brushed it off. She was like, eh, yeah, we all know that you get sad. Don't worry. And then you're, she right, you're right, mother. <laughs> yeah, just like mine. <laughs> and then she prayed and she started sending me texts like of prayers every day, being like, we'll fight this thing. Mm. And then me, I was just like, well, this woman doesn't understand. So I just like stopped talking about it. Mm. But like this year, I think like last month or something, mm -hmm. I like wrote an email to my mom. It was mm. like, I think I wrote like 2,000 words or something. <laughs> Were you having basically, a manic episode when you wrote it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Basically. <laughs> everything. Like, just being like, look, this is something I struggle with every day. Like, I want you to understand how serious this thing is. And mm. I put in links. I attached a letter from my psychiatrist. I was mm. serious about it. Mm. Anyway, um, so she called me, like, two days after and we had a talk basically like about how i mean i'm not still quite sure she gets it but i think she's getting there yeah i think she's getting there and yeah i believe she's talked to my dad about it as well because she asked for permission to talk to my dad about yeah it. yeah um, so i think they're gradually getting there i think yeah. so i mean i hope so so here's the thing right how have you been able to speak to your friends about it in particular? Because, you know, a lot of younger people are wiser to mental illness. They know that, okay, it can affect yeah. me, it can affect people that I know. 
But I do still think, to an extent, that young Nigerian people are still hampered by, by you know, our, our, our culture, our tradition, and our, and, our, and our being particularly conservative. So they might not be able to speak out and say, yo, this is what's wrong with me, or I know somebody who's going through this, it's not as bad as you think, or it's treatable, etc., etc. So how are you able to re- relate your story to people, people that you were close to? I think, um, so when I first found out, I... Because I was in a really bad place, I only like had like one or two friends that were really close to me. Mm-hmm. One of them I to- I told, and he just like didn't get it at all. Mm-hmm. Like didn't understand, and like he just always didn't know what to say. And I think he might have said a few like, "Just get over it, you'll be fine," kind mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. And so I just like stopped talking about it mm-hmm. but then as i started to like recover from that particular episode i started seeing like elements of that in some of my friends yeah and so i would just like say oh like i would just mention to them oh i'm feeling really depressed today mm-hmm. how's it going mm-hmm. and i think with just like me being like really honest and open about it mm-hmm. some of my friends who have felt that way mm-hmm. have felt comfortable talking to me about it mm-hmm. if that makes sense mm-hmm. and then People who haven't felt that, I mean, it's sort of out there with my friends, but a lot of them who don't understand don't talk to me about it. Like, mm. they don't ask me about it. Uh, yeah, I get that. I mean, I think I think depression, sorry to cut you off, I think depression is probably something a lot more people than we realize feel or go through at least one stage in their life. Even if it's not like a, a what's, the, what's the medical term, when you suffer something for like over a period of time, like a long time. Even if it, yes, even if it's not like chronic depression and it's just something that happens maybe because of you're going through a particular thing at a particular time in life, I think a lot of us, my, I know that I certainly can, I can identify with being depressed. Um, I went through a period in my life, I think, for like at least seven months where I was really sad. Like I, I, I stayed in my room all the time. My pops, who doesn't really talk, like he got so worried, he sent my he would send my little brother to me to ask me if I was okay. And I think a lot of that stemmed from the fact that I I felt like I had let myself down. You know, I felt like I had a path in life that I I had deviated from because there were expectations that I couldn't meet. Some that I put on myself, some that others put on me, and I felt like life wasn't going the way I I imagined it would. So it was very hard for me to break out of my shell, to even leave my room, to communicate with people. All I did was just to be on my computer, you know, for a long time. Even in even in those, like, seven months, I would snap out of it for, like, maybe a week. Do you get me? So it wasn't, like, a straight seven months of being sad. I would snap out of it, and then something would remind me, like, yo, why are you smiling? Why are you giggling? And then I'll fall right back in. So it, it, it was like that for a long time, and I don't think I realized that I was depressed at the time. I just knew that I was really sad and I had like no 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 Philip to do anything. I had no no energy, mental or physical, to do anything. Do you understand? And I think I just snapped out of it because things just took a turn for the better for me. Like outside yeah. of myself, not inside myself, outside of myself, things took a turn for the better. Like I got a, a really good job. Then I just started to feel better about myself. I started to go out more <laughs> and see actually see my friends. So I got like I got better, you know, over time and I've never felt like that again. But at least now I recognize that I have the capacity to sink as low as that or maybe even lower, I don't know. But yeah. 
I don't think, or you know, and this is not to say if I did, it would be the worst thing ever. But I wouldn't take the liberty of saying, oh, I have a mental illness. Because I, I'm not certain that that experience, because um, it hasn't repeated itself, like I said. And I snapped out of it without, like, any medical attention. You know, perhaps if I'd gotten medical attention sooner, it wouldn't have gone on for so long. But I wouldn't say that I... Well, at least I don't think I have a mental illness because I haven't felt like that again. And I don't get that low in sadness. Like, since it happened, this is like, what, six, seven years ago. So since then, it hasn't, you know, it hasn't recurred. But I'm telling this little story so people know, I mean... I'm quote-unquote mentally healthy, right? As mentally healthy as anybody is. But I can suffer this, you know, and I, I, I found it terribly difficult to explain to people what I was going through. You know, I think my younger sister got it, and that's because she likes to read all these books and, you know. Yeah, I think she got it, even without me saying it. But I couldn't tell my parents, like, yo, this is what I'm feeling. Because they just, they just, the concept is kind of alien to them. That you're so sad you can't you can't find joy outside of your sadness like it's not do, do you get what i mean i didn't like i couldn't yeah. bring myself to articulate that to anybody not even the people that I was closest to so yeah again with with depression it's not a lot more people go through it than we realize and a lot more people understand it now but still not enough yeah. people understand it and and, and even as I'm speaking, I still don't get it. Like, I don't know what could have helped me then, but mental, I mean, medical attention, perhaps. I don't know. So, yeah, I mean, sorry. That's why I interrupted you, just to share that little that little story there. Yeah, no, that's okay. I mean, um, the thing about people who have, like, chronic depression is that even when you take away the source, in quote, of, like, the sadness, mm. it's still there. So, like, for example, if someone who is depressed about not having a job, even when they get a job, it still goes with them. Okay. If that makes sense. So like that sense of sadness and emptiness and just sort of weariness is like just, I think the way I would describe it is like a heaviness. Mm. Like you feel so heavy that you can't do anything else apart mm. from just survive basically. Mm. So like, and it's, it's, it's heartbreaking to know that people walk around with this. Yeah, yeah, they do, they do. And I think a lot of that stems from fear, you know. It stems yeah. from fear. I think more people would sooner think, oh, I'm just sad, than to have, like, them confirm that mm-hmm. this is something. And the yeah. something is, so, here, the something is, it's called not, it doesn't mean that you're bad, it doesn't mean that you're broken, and it's not your fault. You know, just yeah. like, just like anything can happen at any time to anybody. You know, you, unless you deliberately put yourself in a situation, this is how life is. It's not your fault. You know, we've all got some imperfections, and most of them, thankfully, can be treated. So, yeah. you, you you need to get out there and talk to people. And okay, so with depression and 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 I mean, I've read a bit about it. And, you know, being bipolar and stuff, did you ever have any suicidal ideations? Like, did you, was that a side effect? Was that or an integral part of being a manic depressive? I don't know. I mean, sorry, bipolar. Was that a part of it? Yeah, so, what, like, the the breakdown I had, like, after uni when I lost my friend, mm. like, 
at the height of it, I actually tried to kill myself. Oh dear. Like, I, I made an attempt and for some reason I woke up like days after and I was fine. But I, I made the attempt and it's... So the thing is, it's very interesting what depression does to you because when you're like at your lowest, mm. you think about killing yourself, but you don't have the energy to do it. <sighs> <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> but like just when you start to get better mm. just like just when you start to get better mm. you have a little bit of energy and then if you're still thinking it you actually try and what someone said to me was any whenever you feel like that give it an hour if you still feel like feel like that after an hour give it another hour so just like don't be like oh i'll do it tomorrow just be like okay i'll do it in an hour and then i'll oh. do it in an hour so does it feel that urgent like yo you must do it it does hmm. really yeah a lot of times like well i i don't want to say a lot of times because i don't have it that often but when i've had it it feels like look there is no point in my life anymore and like like for me it feels like look the people around me will like it's better for me to just die than to keep living like this around people mm, I see. and it's just it's very twisted but no i mean I'm, I'm 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 asking you for a reason when i was 16 i had a friend kill himself he was also 16 david and he jumped like they lived on the fourth floor and the the ground was concrete you know these um housing estates you must have seen them around right yeah so he jumped from the fourth floor, and that's how he died. Okay, and at the time I was so angry at him. Like, what could have made you do this? Sixteen, sixteen-year-old kid, good-looking boy, had you know. I was so. I think I probably let go of my anger maybe like only about six years ago. I was just so angry inside. Like, why would you do this? Like, what is it? But now that's why I'm quite surprised because it sounds like. I don't know, but it's... Because if you think the first human instinct is, is, is to protect yourself from harm, right? Yeah. So something tells you or makes you want to take your life... I, I apologize if I sound really ignorant about this, but I'm really struggling to understand it. You know, like, I'm really struggling to understand it. So what, what does one do when that happens? Like, how do you, how do you counter that? So... Now, whenever I have it, I just, like, I have a friend who, like, and incidentally, it's the same friend who I told in the beginning and he didn't understand it. Mm. But now he's, like, he understands and, like, I chat to him about it a lot. Mm. And now, if whenever I just feel like that, I just, like, text him and I'm, like, please call me, like, chat to me, just keep talking to me, like, tell me about your day, tell me about something else. Wonderful. Like, make me laugh and like we just keep talking until i feel better yeah and then i'm like okay it's, i'm fine now oh wonderful so how 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 has dealing with this affected like your the fun part of life you know like romance and going out and you know all the other little things that make life interesting has this had any effect on that yeah i mean um as far as like going out and like having fun mm. Um, I've been known as the serial counselor because, like, mm. I 
have agreed to plans like two weeks in advance mm. and then on the actual day or like two hours to like going out i just suddenly get hit by this depression and it's just like i'm sorry i can't make it anymore mm. that sucks <laughs> because yeah because like i know that even if i go like there's no point because i'm taking the worst version of me to, to yeah. wherever I'm, yeah i get like, that i get that yeah what about romance? And then, yeah, and that's had like an effect on some of my friendships. Yeah. Then as far as like dating and stuff, mm. um, I don't know. It's it's really weird. Like I've, so I was talking like well talking to this like Nigerian guy like sometime last year, mm-hmm. and things were going well mm-hmm. until like he's he just like randomly asked me. Like, so is there something you haven't told me? And I was like, oh, fine. I was like, are you sure you want to know? He's like, yeah, yeah. And then I just said, oh, I have depression. I didn't even say I was bipolar. Mm. I just said, oh, I have depression. Mm. And then after that, he just ghosted me. Like, he just, like, stopped talking to me. Oh, So is that something you hit someone with, like, from the gate? Like, or wait, did you hit him with that because you wanted to see if he'd stick around? Or you were just like... Let me just lay it all out there. Um, I think it was both. Okay. It was both. But mm. I think it was more of, let me just lay it out there. Cause, mm. Yeah, I think that's another thing. You never know when it's, like, when is the right time to, like, tell someone big stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I mean it, it's a big deal. It's not like something someone can see that, oh, maybe... Maybe you have a limp or you have one eye or something, you know. Mm-hmm. They're looking yeah. at you, they're thinking everything's great, but you're managing the situation. I mean, you might be managing it beautifully and quite well, but, you know, they, they want no part of it because they don't want to understand that it's not a death sentence. It, it's not contagious anyway, so, you know. <laughs> yeah, and, um, oh, mm, I think, what is it? But being bipolar, I think that's, uh, that's hereditary, right? Yes, uh... I mean, scientists are a bit, like, divided on it, but I think a lot of people agree, it's, yeah, it's genetic. Yeah, I, I think it's genetic. I, like, I know from... I can't go into the story because I don't have the liberty, but from yeah. what I've observed from this particular situation, yeah, I, I, I think it's genetic. Yeah, I mean... Mm-hmm. So, have you observed anybody in your family that you think, hmm, let's talk? <laughs> Um, yeah, there there are two relatives of mine who I I think mm. at the very least might have depression. So like, are they going to come out of the closet? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've never like broached it with them because they're much older than Obviously I. Obviously not. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But I've mentioned it to my mom just casually. She's yeah. Like, oh, what do you think about this person? Mm. No, I feel I feel sorry for the for for like our parents' age and stuff because yeah, at least you can you can give you can give a title you can give meaning to how you're feeling you know mm-hmm. you know what it is and books have been written that you because your mind is more open you have access to information that they never had you know yeah that was shut off to them because because. To to go down that path means that you're mad, it means that mm-hmm. you're cursed, 
It means yeah. that, you know, you're possessed, et cetera, et cetera, right? So you just mentally block that avenue off or you just never realize it's available, like information is available to you because you're culturally compounded into thinking you're either like this or you're like that. And if you're like that, then you're fucked up, essentially, mm-hmm. you know. So I do, I, I really do feel sorry for them and I'm not really surprised when they don't understand what it is because... I mean, this doesn't really have much meaning in a lot of parents' worlds. So you're doing a good job, like, bringing your mom up to speed and stuff. And that's, you know, thank you so much for that. Because you tell her, then she could tell her friends. And, you know, if anybody else's child has this, then... The... Yeah, it's interesting because when, like, just from having this conversation with her, mm-hmm. she self opened up to me about one of her friends whose kid had been admitted in a psychiatric hospital in mm-hmm. Nigeria mm-hmm. and it was all like hush hush because like obviously you taboo don't want, <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. you don't want to let it out but like her friend had confided in her mm-hmm. and so she was like just saying to me like this thing is real like people people are suffering it's real it's real I mean it's the the thing that worries me right now and this might sound really silly but you know like when things get tougher Incidents of like or instances of depression shoot up. Yeah. Like you know how bad things are in Nigeria right now. There'll be people yeah. who feel really terrible and they will have no avenue to let it out. You know, yeah. like they won't have anyone to talk to. I was before we came on now. I was actually thinking about that and it made me really sad. You know. Yeah. So I hope any some some people listening to this can recognize the signs in somebody and just talk to them. I mean, it's listen. We're just regular folk out here. We don't really know how to help. But if you're not a medical professional, maybe having a conversation with someone might help. You know, asking them how their day, how their day's going. If you have a little bit of petrol, you might want to share it. Things like that. You, you know, you never know what wonders you could do. Anyway, mm-hmm. Mo, any any useful advice or any word you want to leave for our listeners, people who might be going through this, who don't understand what it is what are what are the key steps that they, you think from your own experience that they should take um just something before i talk about like key steps mm-hmm. um what i noticed with a lot of nigerians who i think have depression is they try to hide it in something so like if you look at people who drink a lot mm. nigerians drink a lot a lot yes yeah so People who drink a lot, people who like, yeah, indulge in some borderline harmful things. Mm. They might be just like trying to like drink the pain away or something. Mm. So that might be worth exploring. Yeah. Obviously, I'm not saying everyone who of course not, a lot. of course not. Yeah, but yeah, it's just something to think about. Yeah. And then for like, like I mean, I I guess the first step would be just being honest with yourself mm. and just being like I have a problem because we underestimate how freeing it is to just like be honest with yourself and be like this is not normal coming out of the closet people to yourself yeah. that is you gotta yeah. come out of the closet to yourself okay yeah right. next step and then uh, probably next step is talk to someone about it mm. and Hopefully, I don't know, if you're in a place where you, you can have access to, like, a counsellor, to a psychologist, 
I know there's quite a few psychologists popping up in Nigeria now. Yeah, yeah. That might be worth exploring. Mm -hmm. Just like talking to someone about it. Mm -hmm. Um, if not, there's like on the the internet is really good. There's some apps. Um, I'll send I'll send them, their names to you because I can't remember. Please, them so I can I can put it up on the write up when I when I make this. Another question I have for you: If untreated, can it get worse? Um, That's depression, um, anxiety, anxiety, yeah, mm -hmm, etc. If if you don't seek help for it, can it get worse? Um. Some people are lucky enough to pull through depression by themselves mm -hmm. without like something changing. Well, I did. Yeah. They, they like, yeah. There's so many factors involved in depression that mm -hmm. some people are able to pull through by themselves or mm -hmm. like by someone else loving them mm -hmm. out of it or something. But I mean, is your, the best option, the better option is always to get it like, Sometimes you don't even have to treat it. Sometimes just therapy, just talking to someone is treatment enough. Mm. Um, yeah. There's something called cognitive behavioral therapy, mm -hmm. CBT, mm -hmm. which has worked a lot for people with depression. And you can buy books about it and like do it yourself. Mm -hmm. So that might be worth exploring for people. Um, yeah, but if if you suspect that it might not be depression. It might be something else like bipolar disorder or like schizophrenia or something. Yeah, that's actually what I wanted to get at. If those are untreated, can they Can't worsen? those untreated because, yeah. My therapist said something to me the other day and he was like, look, because I was talking about medication and stuff and he was like, look, if you have bipolar disorder and you're not on medication... You're just a content person with bipolar disorder. Mm. And at the slightest provocation, it will show like it's it, it, it will show its capabilities. Mm. So yeah. You never because life is so unpredictable that you mm. never know what you face in like the next day or the mm. next minute. Mm. And that might just be the trigger that will just trigger something off and yeah. There's so many dark places that mental illness can go Yeah, to. I was just about to say, mental illness is scary because we can't see it. I think that's, yeah. you know, when people, when the saying goes, people fear what they don't understand, you can't yeah. see it. At least if it was like a physical defect, you can say, okay, this is because of this that I can see. Yeah. But because we and can't see is, it, it's, uh, go on. Yeah, with like a physical illness, mm -hmm. you can sort of see when it's getting worse. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. A lot of times with like mental illness, you can't tell that it's getting worse mm. until you finally hit rock bottom or like something really crazy happens. I shouldn't be using the word crazy, but anyways, something really bad happens. And yeah. then that, I, I don't want to say it might be too late, but you know what I mean? In like, some instances it can be. Yeah. You know, in some instances it can be. I mean, uh, it's 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 scary. It's scary in the yeah. sense that it's like internal bleeding, right? You think you're okay and then you might just drop dead, you know, kind yeah. of thing. So, whew, I've certainly learned a lot this evening. Thank you very much for your time. I mean, I'm, it's, it's sobering discussing this, but it's also hopeful because here you are, you know, you've got a good job, you're thriving. So it's not a, it's yeah. not a death sentence. You know, it certainly doesn't mean that your life is over. 
um yeah and certainly guys don't don't shy away from this don't think if you ignore it it's gonna go away you won't like you'd never walk around with your arm dangling off your shoulders like why would you let your mind just just lie fallow and and and, and turn on you almost you know you, you wouldn't you wouldn't want to do that to yourself so please 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 if you're feeling some type of way after listening to this and you recognize some of the things that Mo's talked about you know, it doesn't automatically mean that you've got bipolar or you're schizophrenic or you're depressed, but it would be good to talk to somebody. You know, somebody you trust, someone you know who won't judge you and call you names or whatever. It would be good to talk to somebody. And if you if you do think, if you do suspect after listening to Mo that, yo, I recognize some of these symptoms in myself, read up, read up on the internet, you know, if help isn't immediately available. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, Ask a few people for some for some numbers, so I'll, I'll have that in my personal possession. I won't put it out there, but if you need it, please DM me or send me an email. I'm available. You know, let's let's help each other here. This thing here is not your fault, but if you feel it, you must get help. And hopefully, guys out there, I really do hope you have a support network because that's quite important to have someone who will really listen to you and not judge you, and recognize when you're not being yourself. You know, I think that's also quite important, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah, someone who can say to you, "Yo, you're, you're, this thing is getting to us." I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm learning that. I'm learning when to learn that somebody that I care about is not being themselves, and being able to say, "Yo, are you in that place again?" You know. So, um, yeah, guys. I mean, that's it, really. I really do hope you learn something from this, and don't, 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 don't feel like you know. Don't be so despondent. There is hope. And this treatment, most importantly. So, Mo, thank you very much. But before I let you go, you've got to give me a song. That's our tradition on the spot with Afro 7. What is your song of the week? It's got to be Nigerian, though. Okay. Um, Niniola. Um, Akarimbo. Ah, that's my tune. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I totally, totally love that song. It's, it's certainly one of my, one of my favorite joints of the moment. Um, I'm gonna recommend uh, "Am I a Baggers?" Not just okay. And I'm gonna Ooh. and I'm I'm gonna recommend that song because or Mister Not Just Okay. I'm gonna recommend that song because it's it's just a dope song. I like what he did on the track, and it, you know sometimes you need a little reminder that Jude is still one of the very best to do it in Nigeria. <laughs> All right, guys, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. I hope I hope it was an interesting episode for you, and I hope to catch you next time. Thank you. Mo, it was lovely having you, man. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, do come back, you know. I will. Yeah, let us, let us know how things are going, and I wish you all the best with the treatment and life in general. Thank you. Thank you. All right, take care. Bye-bye.